to you by naturopathicearth.com. Here is certified health coach A. Gregory Luna with Confessions of an Obese Child. Hey everybody, this is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. And welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Now, before I begin, let me review my info, personal information here. You can find me and Kate McCall at www.naturopathicearth.com. That's N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H-I-C, earth.com, naturopathic earth, no dash, no underscore. There you can find the written blogs as well as the audio. Over there, you can click under podcasts, and we have three different podcasts that you can listen to. One of them, of course, is MPE Radio. And then we're going to have Kate's Naturopathic Essentials coming out next week, or this week, actually. You can find me on Facebook at A. Gregory Luna. The Facebook page is at Naturopath Earth, but really there's not much to see there. So just friend me on Facebook. That's a better way to, to, to communicate with me, if you like. On Twitter, it's A. Gregory Luna at Naturopath Earth. And then on Instagram, it is naturopathic underscore earth, naturopathic underscore earth. And of course, don't forget the ick. So today we're going to talk about how I lost my weight. Uh, We are getting near the end of, well, actually, this is the last podcast dealing with obese Albert. This is the last one dealing with obese Albert. Guru, mentor, counselor, therapist, slash health coach helping you out, contact me. And that's what health coaches do. We wear many cloaks. We wear that of just a good listener. Of course, we're going to give you nutritional suggestions, exercise suggestions, biohacking. I'll even go to the supermarket with you. I do that with clients or I go to their house and go through their pantry We just wear a lot of different cloaks, and that's our job. So if you're interested in that, like if you've tried to lose weight many times and it doesn't work, and you've tried all these crash diets that are very popular, and they've worked, and then you gain it back, give me a shot. You have really nothing to lose if you've been yo-yo dieting. And as I've mentioned before, if you ever listen to the podcast Half Size Me, which is a a podcast where, I believe her name is Heather, I don't want to get mixed up. Uh, she lost a lot of weight, the, the podcaster. And then so she interviews other people that have lost a lot, a lot of weight. And a lot of those people recently lost their weight, which is phenomenal. Or, or they've lost, you know, maybe four, five, six years ago. I've, I've kept mine off a quarter of a century. So I think that in itself lends to my credibility and I can help you because it is phenomenally difficult to lose weight, as I've mentioned on my podcast. But it's infinitely, phenomenally more difficult to keep it off. Keep it off. Statistically, it's something like 5% of people who lose more than 50 pounds keep it off for an indefinite amount of time. So I've done it and I've kept it off for 20, well, now it's going to be like 26 years around that time. So give me a call or you know, contact me and let me know. We can talk about stuff. My prices are on the website. And uh, we can just go from there. But I, I did want to address that because I realized, or actually, I think somebody contacted me. It was like, um, why don't you ever like pimp out your, not pimp out, I guess I could talk, plug your your health coaching. And I'm like, that's a good point. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm kind of new to this. I'm not really 
online marketing is not my forte. So I'm glad that it was brought to my attention and I want to talk about it. And now we can move on. All right. All right. Let's get it going. So today I'm going to glean from Confession of a Don't Be Child number 22. How did I lose my weight? You can find this on the website, of course. I am drinking a mixture of one-day-old organic pyramidal green tea. When I mean pyramidal, if you buy the regular green tea or organic, sometimes it comes in the, you know, the flimsy tea bags, the typical ones. Here over at HEB, they have the organic one, which comes in this pyramid-shaped, and it's like a net, that a thicker net. And I like using this one because it's so much harder to rip it. It's almost impossible to rip it. And I'm so frugal <laughs> with my tea bags that I use the same one like three days in a row. So let's say like today, I'll drop in a fresh bag, a fresh tea bag, but I'll use the one or two from the two days previous. So I have three in there. And my thinking is, well, I'm going to get more than the, you know, the potency of the new tea bag, but there might still be some residual some residual uh, catechins and some phytonutrients in the in the, in the older tea bag. So why not just throw them? In? I mean, it seems like kind of wasteful just to use them once and throw them away. Now the typical tea bags, yeah, you can throw those out because those are crappy. Though you should drink green tea. Don't don't dissuade. I don't want to dissuade you from drinking green tea, of course. But I just like to throw it a bunch. So I threw in two two day old two two green tea bags from the previous two days and then i threw in spearmint tea i like to i like mint so i'll be drinking that too how did i lose my weight good question and i'm going to be completely honest with you guys i'm going to be completely honest with you i don't remember i don't remember I know this sounds preposterous, given that I've spent over 20 confessions, you know, talking about my experiences as an obese child, and I've created a health consultant practice built around weight loss and clean eating, but I really don't remember the specifics. Now, am I showing signs of dementia or some sort of cognitive debilitation or decline? I don't think so. You know, my mind's pretty lucid especially when I'm fasting, which is every day, like near the end of my fast, I'm like, like I mentioned, I'm like Bradley Cooper and Limitless. I can like see through walls. I'm like, I think it's just more of a question of uh, two things. And I think you can relate to, well, at least one of these. One, it was 25 years ago. So it was a long time ago. So one of the benefits of hiring me as a health coach is that, yeah, I've kept it off for a long time. But one of the bad things is that, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. The second one is, you try to block out a lot of these memories from your your obese past. And I've mentioned before, and you know, and this is another thing I gotta mention. Someone sent me a comment that I should do, and I love constructive feedback, so please give it to me, that I should review a lot of the things that I've talked about in previous confessions because it 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 is a lot to ask somebody who might stumble upon confession 19 or the the amusement park or something like that, the lumbering athlete 18. And then they hear it and they're like, oh, wow, this is cool. But to make them, to, to think that they're going to go back to the prologue and confession number one and listen to probably, what now, 15 hours of confessions is a lot to ask. So I'm a very novice podcaster. I've only been doing this now for f- five months. And I need to review. Yeah, I need to review better. I need to review better. Same for MP Radio. I can't make the assumption that... Everybody knows everything when I'm talking about like, oh, yeah, 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 vegetable oil is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I remember listening or hearing one time that a good podcaster makes people who are very seasoned in knowledge and novices both make them both feel like you're interacting with them. So I definitely need to work on that. But uh, a good review will be in this one because I do I do talk about the background. So it was 25 years ago, but I think if any of you can relate to being overweight, uh, you do block out the memories. I've mentioned that I don't have any pictures of my overweight uh, Albert's time, aside from the one that I have on the website and social media, the one where I'm wearing the red shirt and I'm, sit, I'm standing next to my parents. And then there's a couple of pictures in the yearbooks from my high school yearbooks. And that it that is it now i don't know if there it's like back to the future where i'm like disappearing from the photograph or i i think it's just in my family that we didn't take a lot of pictures of me either that or we lost them all or i threw them away i probably threw them all away i, I don't remember again i don't remember i feel like i'm like getting brought up in front of the, the Senate inquiry committee about like Iran Contra and I'm up there. I'm like, I don't remember. I plead the fifth. So it was 25 years ago. So the memories have been eaten away. Kenta High would eat away at the white sheet cakes as a youth. Buttercream icing is the best, baby. It's the best. What I, I can safely say is I know how to keep off the weight. Right? That I can do. So let's go back to the fall of 1990. I talked about in the previous podcast my experiences with cutting in my one suicide attempt because things were bleak. Things were bleak. So we're finally going to talk about who changed my life and what happened. So fall of 1990, I'm about to turn about 17. Madonna, Paula Abdul, New Kids on the Block, Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer on the charts. Madonna in 1990, that would have been True Blue. No, True Blue, I think it was 87. True Blue, baby, I love you. I never liked Papa Don't Preach. I never liked that song. I, never liked, I always liked La Isla Bonita. Oh, I love that song. That tropical lit island dream, all of nature. Paula Abdul never really liked her. I know when I was in school, all my little nerdy friends, we all, they thought she was really pretty. I never thought she was that pretty. I remember she had that video with the cartoon MC Cat with Arsenio Hall. No, I think Arsenio Hall was in uh, Straight Up, video for Straight Up, but she had some bad videos. New Kids on the Block, or NKOTB, as they later were called when they tried to get more street cred in the 90s. Man, they were big. If you guys are, are millennials, you don't know how big New Kids were. I mean, they were One Direction big. They were One Direction big. Now, they weren't the first original boy band. Hold on. Mint Green Tea. There were boy bands before that. For example, New Edition was a black boy band that was in the 80s. Bobby Brown, who later married Whitney Houston, was probably the first, first most famous person from that boy band. Then you had, uh, I mean, arguably the Beatles. I mean, I, I don't want to like malign their reputation, but they were a boy band, you know, especially when they were very young. There were, there were bands that were boys, and they were, their whole job was to be attractive. But I guess the modern renaissance of the boy band or the modern incarnation probably would have started with new edition and then new kids but new kids were really the first to 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 make it big and i like the new kids i'm not gonna lie to you i mean i probably still remember their names there's donnie donnie Wahlberg, who's mark Wahlberg's brother jordan knight uh joey mcintyre he was the little kid he, because they had, you know, they, they all, they, there was a spoof on MTV called Together that came out around 2000. And it was a spoof of the boy bands because back then, of course, that was NSYNC and Backstreet Boys around the turn of the millennium. 
And they spoofed it because it's like every boy band has got like the cute kid, the really young kid. And on that show, his name was QT, Q, and then T, the letters QT. Then they had the old guy who was on the show, was like this Chris Farley lookalike guy, and he's chubby and older. Because you remember, like, on, on especially in sync, in sync had Joey Fatone, and Joey Fatone looked so much older than, than the other guys on like Lance Bass and, and Justin Timberlake. Then there was the bad boy. Then you had like the heartthrob, and I forget who the fifth one is. I don't think it's like the closet gay guy because at that point they wouldn't have maligned him. But yeah, so Joey McIntyre, Jordan Knight, uh, the guy with the big nose. Oh, well, I remember four now. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyways, they had some great songs back. They had uh, Step by Step, Ooh, Baby, Please Don't Go Girl, and then Hanging to Whoa, Hanging to. Yeah, anyway. Vanilla Ice. Yeah, oh, man, Vanilla Ice. What happened to that guy? I think he's like a carpenter now. MC Hammer, of course, made a big with Too Legit, Too Legit to Quit. But of course, yeah, don't touch this. It's his big hit. Those parachute pants. I, I remember later on, he had a cartoon on Saturday mornings. And then he lost all of his money. Maybe it was those Taco Bell commercials. Anyways, obese child fat Albert's at the apex of his morbid obesity. I stopped weighing myself around 15, which was around the last time I visited a dietitian. And I was around 255. So as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I was probably around 275 because I was bigger than when I was at 15. I was pretty big. So what happened was... I had mentioned in the lumbering athlete how the coaches of the football team in high school asked me to join the team, and I declined mostly because of just just total insecurity. And it was a blessing because had I joined, um, they would have put me in the offensive line. Of course, they would have encouraged me to gain more weight or at least maintain my weight. So what happened was because I didn't I didn't join the football team, I had to be in PE class, and I had been in PE class because back then, good physical physical education. We had PE every year from freshman to senior year. And so it was my junior year and I was in PE and I had a coach and I didn't know this coach. His name was Willie Webster. Now, Willie Webster was like Lou Gossett Jr. from The Officer and a Gentleman. Now, for you young kids, you're not going to know who this is. This was a movie that came out in 1981, 82. And it has Richard Gere, who was an actor that was really big in the late 70s and 80s. He was, you know, Pretty Woman. He's the guy in Pretty Woman. And he joins the military, and he's he's kind of a wild guy. And Lou Gossett Jr. is the black drill sergeant who kind of whips him into shape. And there's a love story. I mean, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. But uh, he was like a drill sergeant, the, the, the quintessential African-American drill sergeant. I mean, not to be kind of generalize all people. But I, I think the best way to, to compare him would be, or to talk about him would be to juxtapose him with other PE coaches. Now, the other PE coaches, going back to elementary school when I had when I had uh, the, the coach that I talked about in uh, Coach Castro that I talked about and when we were playing dodgeball and confession number five and in the locker room and confession four and, and the presidential fitness test, a lot of the PE coaches I had were just kind of dismissive of fat me. They didn't push me to do anything. As I mentioned in the presidential fitness test, you know, I would try to do one push up, and he would just say, Luna, forget it next, you know? And so when I was in high school, the, the, the PE coaches I had before coach Webster, and it was embarrassing. Like, okay, everyone would, you, you would get dressed and you know, you had a 50 minute period. So you had to get dressed really fast. And then you'd go out to the track, and depending what season was, what we're going to do, the, the coach would be like, okay, go run two laps. All right. And I'd be like, oh, God. 
And really, I haven't talked about my high school PE experiences. Most of them, of course, were in elementary school. But so the kids would start running. And by the time, and then I'd be like lugging. I mean, I could, I, it was horrible. So I, by the time the kids ran a lap, I was literally a quarter of the way on my first lap. And I'm just like lumbering, all sweaty. And then by the time I would get to the half part of the first lap, the kids were pretty much done. I mean, that's how slime was like walking. And so the coach at that point yelled, like, Luna, get your ass back here. And then I would just walk back from there. And that was pretty much the experience, my, my, my experience in high school PE. I don't remember playing basketball. I don't remember we weren't playing uh, Poison Pin anymore, which is that modified version of dodgeball I talked in, about in Confession 5. I don't really don't have any memories of high school PE. I really don't. So they were dismissive. And maybe they were trying to do me a favor, right, because they didn't want to embarrass me. I, I don't know. But Coach Webster, oh, I'm sorry. Coach Webster, uh, he was hard on me. He was kind of a dick. And at the time, I, I, I realized that he was. But he, he told me straight out. He didn't coddle me. He made me do the exact workout routines that any other teenager had to do. So instead of stopping me at half a lap, he'd be like, you got to keep going. Come on, Looney, you got to keep going. He berated me. And I, I don't remember if he berated me like by calling me fat names. I don't, I don't think he's like, you're a fat ass. You need to, I don't, I don't remember that. I just remember him just telling me distinctly. And again, I have very dis, just kind of faint memories of a lot of, of these things. Like with the other confessions, you know, you very things that stick out, like the horse almost falling on me in summer camp, drowning almost in the tide pool and the, in the wave pool. And uh, the amusement park, I, I just remember him telling me, and it was similar to the German men in the amusement park, too. He just told me straight out that I was going to die young if I didn't change my lifestyle. And for some reason, it clicked better this time. More than when my parents told me that same line or when the dietitians were telling me essentially the same thing. I think maybe by this age, I had had it because I realized my, what my life was going to be. And I, I mentioned this in the Big and Tall store and then, and, and then the Dark Night of the Soul, the previous podcast. It's like I saw and envisioned my future. 500 pounds, no friends, probably no job, no physical or emotional intimacy with any woman. I'd be degraded. I'd be maligned. And maybe I just didn't want to be an obese child anymore. I, I didn't want to be fat anymore. Maybe I just the stars all lined up at that time. I really don't know. I really don't know what happened. All I remember is that I lost a few pounds in December of 1990. So this is in the fall. And then I didn't weigh myself previous this time. As I mentioned, I, I stopped weighing myself around 15. But I guess around this time, I got on the scale again. And maybe there was something that Coach Webster said, or maybe I just started eating better, but I wanted to get on the scale. And I noticed that a week after I got on the scale for the first time, I had lost about three pounds. Now, in retrospect, that was likely water weight. 
But from then on, it kind of gave me a little motivation. And that's how it works, guys, with weight loss. You know, it, it's, it's, it's that losing those first couple of pounds that really make a difference. They make a humongous difference. And then you're like, oh, my God, maybe I can do this. And even though you might have to lose 100, you know, 40, 70, 100, 150, 200 pounds, got to start somewhere. Rome wasn't built in a day. And I lost a little here. And I lost a little there. And I felt good and I felt emboldened. I thought, oh my God, is there a chance that I'm gonna lose my weight? Is there is there a chance? And at the time, you know, I didn't think I was gonna lose my weight, even though I was losing one. I'm like, this isn't gonna continue. I gotta lose so much. I think losing the weight at the beginning gave me a glimmer of hope. And I finally decided to give it a shot. As I mentioned before with the dietitians, like I loved the food more than I loved being normal size. I didn't want to give up the binge eating. I didn't want to give it up. But I guess in this brief window, this sixth, seventh month window, I was willing to curb my, my appetite, my ravenous appetite. And I got a gym membership. Or my parents did, actually, I should say. And I, I fell in love with the Stairmaster. Now, if the Stairmaster, oh, my God. And it's not, the Stairmaster is, was, is, was I, I'm assuming they still make the elliptical machines. But the Stairmasters nowadays are those elliptical ones. Now, you can go to some gyms where they have the old school Stairmaster. The old school Stairmaster. Now, they have the old, old school Stairmaster, some of these places, where it's like 10 stairs and they're moving and you're actually climb on top of it and you're walking on the 10 stairs. That's not the one we had in the early 90s. The ones we had in the early 90s was two pedals and it had rubber kind of arm arm rails on the side and then it had a little console on the top because you couldn't plug in anything. I mean, this was, this was Walkman or CD Discman time. And you would set it, it would have these little red dots. And if you press the arrow for increased resistance, the red dots would go higher. And I just remember at the beginning, I would just hold on. I'd lift myself up on the rail. So that way I was kind of cheating on the Stairmaster. Because really with the Stairmaster, you're supposed to put your hands up at the top and then put at the resistance where your legs are doing all the work. Well, I didn't do that. I'd put, I'd kind of like hoist myself up on the rails and lived myself the, the best I could while I moved my while my feet moved on the pedals. But I loved the Stairmaster and I would sweat so much. I would do these 50-minute workouts on the Stairmaster and I'd have my little mixtape. Because of course back then we had mixtapes. And going back to, to uh New Kids on the Block, I remember back in the day, and any of you who are, you know, 35 or older would remember this, how you would have your boom box, because that was the day, you know, late 80s, early 90s, you had the gigantic boom boxes, you would see like the, the, the rap guys carrying on the shoulders, back then we had those big JVC boom boxes, but you'd be listening to the radio and waiting for whatever song you wanted to come on and press record on your tape, I mean, that's how we made mixtapes. And also, we would have the little microphones that you could dictate little you know, words or whatever to, to your, your girlfriend or whatever. So later on, when I had girlfriends, I remember doing that. Where I think everybody's made these tapes, right? Either either you're trying to be like an amateur DJ, like, next up, you know, Shirley, 
we have uh, the 10,000 maniacs with these are the days. and Or you're just like, or, or, or you do the little DJing at the very end. You're like, I just want to let you know, Debbie, that I love you so much. And this, this big stage's for you. And then you just go on and on and on. It's just like, in retrospect, being a high school kid, I, I don't even know if high school kids still do this. They probably do on some level or another. On... I don't know, Spotify. I don't know if you can, I don't use Spotify, but I don't know if you can like record audio messages on Spotify, but I don't know how it works now, but the mixtape, I mean, I know Drake has his mixtapes, but the, the classic mixtapes were the best because you would just wait and wait and wait in your room and just like wait for all the crappy songs just to get to your song and then record. You'd be all excited. Yeah, I anyway, know. So I made my mixtape, and I still remember some of the songs. It was mostly new wave music. I had a lot of Cure. I remember having like "Just Like Heaven" by a lot of uh, and Cure. I had uh, "True Faith" by New Order, "Boys on Cry" by The Cure. I'm sure I had some Erasure. I had, I'm sure I had some Ultravox. I'm sure I had some, and I had a lot of heavy metal. You know, Guns and Roses was really big at that time. So I had a lot of Guns and Roses because my my exercise mixtapes were a mixture of pop, new wave, and then heavy metal. Like breaking the law by Judas Priest. That's a great jam at the end. You I had a lot of that. I had a lot of Motley Crue. You know, a lot of the fast-paced music. But anyway, the Stairmaster was my my lover, my lover. And so I would get on the Stairmaster and I'd start going every day. And I would just go and go and go. And I do my fifty-minute workout. And I would just. Uh, so much sweat. I'd go through like two towels and I would never clean it up. You know, I was never the guy back then. You know, I'm a narcissistic teenager that wiped down the machines afterwards. I never did any of that. So that was the beginning of the 50 minute workout. And from 1991 to about 2015, that was my MO, my modus operandi for working out. It's either was running or the treadmill. I never was into cycling. I hated bicycles, stationary bikes, because my knees would always hurt afterwards. So it was always going to be the Stairmaster, and then later on it was running, but it was always 50 minutes. It was always 50 minutes. That was my workout. And I would later on, after I lost my weight, I would average about 10-minute miles. I'm not a fast runner. And even now, I'm, I'm not a fast runner. And I don't run as much as I normally, or as I did in the past, up until about a couple years ago where I was doing at least 50-mile run or 50-mile 50, 50 runs, 50-minute runs. Uh, even when I run now, and I ran yesterday, I don't have a fast pace. I mean, I don't have I, I I don't. Like, if you had, if I had to, like, run one mile right now to track, I'll ask my high school students, like, how fast do you run a mile? They're like, six minutes. I'm like, oh, my God, six minutes. Amazing. That is amazing. Some of them can do in less than six minutes. I'm like, no, I could probably do I, the, my fastest mile if I'm running, you know, two, three, four mile run. And I never run more than five miles. I've never. I mean, there was a period. There, this is for later. These are later podcasts. But my fastest lap, my fastest mile is always the later ones. It's never the first. I'm a very slow locomotive. I'm like, chukka, 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 chukka. It takes me time to warm up. So in terms of eating, what did I eat that changed uh, that led to my weight loss. Uh, I don't remember. I wish I did. I, I do remember 
my mom buy the the Nutrisystem weight loss powders. I don't know if you guys remember this stuff. They had commercials for these all the time. They were like chocolate powders, vanilla. Later, they they actually sold them in bottle form where you could just open them up. They kind of look like little Red Bulls. But back then, it was the powder, and the commercials were everywhere, and you'd mix it with milk because we didn't have any non-dairy milk alternatives back in the early 90s. And so all I remember is drinking these Nutrisystem packets. And I'm sure if I could look back at the ingredient list, I'm sure there was a bunch of garbage in there. I'm, well, I'm sure, I'm sure aspartame was in there. Because one of the things that make it low sugar, which I'm sure is one of its selling points, I'm saying I'm sure a lot, was that it, it had to have an artificial sweetener to keep the sugar down. So I'm sure aspartame was in it for sure. For sure. For sure. Like I'm a valley girl. Oh my God. For sure. Like for sure. And I went to this big aspartame run later on in my twenties, which we'll talk about later. It was just like diet everything, right? Cause I diet sodas, uh, help you keep your weight off, which is incidentally not really true now that we know that. I don't recall eating a lot of leafy greens or doing some like Atkins diet, even though Atkins wasn't big yet. I don't remember m- changing really my eating. I, 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 well, I just don't remember. I don't remember. All I remember was doing these Nutrisystem drinks in the morning. But in terms of what I ate the rest of the day for these six, seven months, I don't recall. I, don't, I, I just remember that I did not change drastically what I was eating. So was I still eating Big Macs? Yeah. But was I eating four Big Macs like I used to? Probably not. I mean, I can't imagine how I would have lost my weight uh, if I was still binge eating and, 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 and eating the early dinner right after school and then the real dinner and then eating right before I went to sleep. Something had to give. Now, some of you might say, well, you were 17 and your metabolism's fast and that's why you lost your weight or you were outgrowing your, your, your weight. No, buddies, guys, I was 280. I was, I mean, yeah, no. If I had not changed, I would have increased. This wasn't like some growth spur where, because I was already tall. I mean, I was 6'1 already in high school. So it wasn't like I, I just kept growing up and then the fat dispersed evenly. It wasn't like that at all. No, I mean, I have read some studies that uh, your fat, your adipose cells, actually, the body can purge and get rid of them prior to the age of around 18, whereas after 18, they just get smaller and shrink, and then they get bigger again. This is why, maybe one of the reasons why when you lose your weight when you're an adult, uh, you can lose it so quickly, and then you gain it back quickly, is because those adipose cells don't go away. But before 18, they can go away. So maybe I was right at that cusp where I did purge some of them. Fortunately, though, I mean, I still had a lot left, as my fat rolls and bloopies would indicate, which we'll talk about later. So in terms of what I was eating, I, I don't remember. I think I just probably ate less of that. But I, 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 it's like I, I strive for authenticity on, the, on these podcasts, on the confessions, and I don't want to lie to you. I honestly don't remember. I don't remember. What I do remember is I lost the weight relatively fast. And I remember commemorating it on May 4th. Of 1991. And the only reason I picked May 4th is because that was the end of my junior year. And there was a ceremony called the Junior Cross and Ring Ceremony at my my Catholic school where we got a cross and a ring. And it's kind of ushered us into the senior year. And I remember that being the end of my official weight loss window. So I, I essentially lost about 90 pounds in six months. 
that average is 15 pounds a month or four pounds a week. Now that is insanely fast. That is insanely fast. And I do remember though, during those six, those six months or so from December to May, and I would weigh myself only on Fridays. I see it's not a good idea to weigh yourself every day or more than once a day. You get obsessed with it. So it was just on Fridays. And Fridays, I think, is a good day because you have a lot more of a regimented schedule during the week where you can control what you're eating and kind of control your routine. And then on the weekend, you can maybe uh, splurge a little or because you know you're going to eat out maybe on the weekend. And then you have Monday through Friday to get your weight to work on, on getting your weight down again. But there were certain weeks where my weight plateaued. I I. I, I'm for certain I remember that. I don't know how long it was, but I think at least two two to four weeks where my weight just stopped. So when I was going from 285 down to the upper one, 100s, um, there, there were several weeks where I just stagnated at 220 or whatever weight it was. And then for whatever reason, it, it kicked back in again. But to lose four pounds a week on average and 90 pounds in about six months is phenomenally fast. It, and it's not necessarily recommended. Have people done it? Yeah, people have done it. Especially like right now, if you do the double whammo of doing keto and fasting, I'm sure you could probably lose weight really fast. And I mean, I don't want to give generalized statements because everybody loses weight differently depending on your gender and your age and your lifestyle. So I don't want to. I don't want to just say, okay, guys, start fasting and eat crap during your six hour eating window. But if you do that and you do keto, then, you know, you'll be fine and drop weight. Like I, I can't say that. Everyone's different. During the six months, I do relative, I do remember comments people made. I, I got a lot of positive feedback from teachers, which was great. I, I was called the rapidly disappearing Luna by some of my teachers I don't remember any comments from girls because, again, I didn't know any girls in high school because I went to an all-boys school. And I don't remember my friends commenting on it, my nerd friends. I think I talked about in The Opposite Sex, how the nerds and I would have binoculars and and we would just spy on girls that would come on campus. And I, I don't remember them commenting on it. And I don't know if they were upset or I just don't remember. And you see this a lot if it's the former, how they, if they were upset. You see this quite a bit on a lot of different occasions. Let's say you're married to an alcoholic and then you stop drinking and your spouse is angry because they continue to drink. And they can't stop or they don't want to stop. And so they start sabotaging you or they start doing passive aggressive backhanded comments or even weight loss. Let's say your spouse and you are both overweight and you start losing weight. Typically men lose weight faster. And then uh, the woman gets resentful and it starts getting that attitude. And you see this with any of this, like uh, uh, people who never went to college and then they're the first person in their family to go to college. And then the family is like, oh, you think you're too good for us now. You don't want to hang out with us. So you do see that with friends. And uh, I'm trying to think of, I guess it'd be on Can't Buy Me Love with Patrick Dempsey, that movie where he becomes popular for a little while. And then he neglects the redheaded nerdy kid from Children of the Corn. He wants you too, Malachi. But I think that's more because he becomes a jerk. I, 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 don't, I don't think I became a jerk during that time, but I think maybe my friends were just resentful because I, maybe I had a window to get out of the nerd echelon and maybe they resented that. But honestly, I don't know. 
I don't know. You know, there, there's that whole idea of resenting people who are successful. And they always say that's one of the signs of whether or not you're liberal or conservative. Green tea, mint tea, drink. Is, well, one of them they say is, is which do you value most? Equality or freedom? If you could only pick one, which do you value most in a society? And if you say equality, then you're a liberal. You're a Democrat if you want to pick a party. And if it's freedom, then you're a conservative. You're a Republican. But I think one of the other criteria is when other people succeed, how do you feel about it? If you're angry and resentful and jealous, then maybe you're, you're adhere more to the Democratic Party. And if you're happy for that person, then you're more Republican. Because, I mean, honestly, we should all be happy for people's success. Why, why do we hate the rich? Do we hate the rich because really it's just casting, it's casting a vision or a, a view of ourselves as not being successful. It's like, well, they're making us look bad because they're living well or they worked hard or they inherited money. And so it casts a shadow on you or a reflection. I guess I should say reflection. It casts a reflection on you that makes you look bad because you're like, why can't I do that? That's not fair. And you get all angry. And we don't want to get angry. We don't want to get angry at people's success. So if you are listening to podcasts, where people have lost 140 pounds and you're one of the people who needs to lose it, then be happy for them and try to help them and just help, hope, and strive for you'll be the next one. You'll be the next one. There's there's nothing really to be gained by by hating and resenting and having jealousy. There really isn't. It's just like one of those wasteful emotions. It really is. So that's pretty much all I have for this confession. How I lost the weight. I I do I do mention that I think it did help that I lost it before I was 18, but I don't think that takes away from my accomplishment. I worked very hard to lose the weight and more hard to keep it off, which will be the future confessions where I talk about some of the eating disorders that developed. Um Afterwards, because one of the things, and of course, some of you can relate to this. It's like once you've lost the weight, you're just petrified that you'll gain it back. It's like that novel, Flowers for Algernon. If you ever read that, or it's a, that, it's been a long time, but uh, it's a kid or it's an adult who's he's like special ed. He's mentally retarded, and then he takes some experimental potion or experimental drug, I think, and he becomes really brilliant to the point where he's very arrogant, but he gets to experience love. I think there's a love story in there. But then the drug starts wearing off and he starts going back to what he was before. And that's the one thing you are petrified about. And that's going to be the reoccurring theme in the next five to six confessions is dealing with this new body and looking at it. And even now I'm looking down, I'm recording this without a shirt in my office and I still have all the vestiges, all the remnants of being a fat kid. You know, that's not going to go away. I still have the, the, the rolls of skin, the stretch marks, all that stuff. But dealing with the new body, the phoenix coming out of the ashes and dealing with not just like how I look in clothes and... and it, it was funny because like for 15 years, I'd still wear baggy clothes because that's what you do when you're overweight. You think if I wear baggy clothes, it's going to mask 
the obesity, when in fact it probably makes you look more of a way, but I continue to wear baggy clothes. But it's more of the mental change. I mentioned this in The Cancer Doctor, how one of the reasons I dropped out or didn't go pre-med is because I didn't think I had the confidence to do it. You know, I thought I was you know, not smart. And a lot of that had to do with my obesity because all, all the people putting me down for so many years affected my self-esteem. And I mentioned that too in The Invisible Student when I had panic attacks in like adult years after I lost my weight because I still felt like a fat kid inside in some way. So these are a lot of the challenges that you deal with after you lose your weight, after you lose your weight. So definitely if any of you are overweight and are wanting to lose the weight, it is possible to do it. I honestly think there are better ways to do it now than when I did it in the early 90s. Not just bariatric surgery, guys, but honestly, the, the, the science is so much better now on weight loss. It really is. And we know, because of better research, the effect that carbohydrates have on fat storage with the, the, with the effect of insulin. Now, when I lost my weight, I mean, was I doing some modified keto diet? Probably not. I was probably still eating a lot of carbs. But I still lost my weight. And there's a lot of you who've lost weight when you were still doing a high-carb, low-fat diet. So it's possible. Everybody's different. Everybody is different. But... Just know that it's possible, that the science is better. There's just more resources at your disposal. And just don't feel deflated. Don't feel like you can't do it. You can do it. You just need a real good support group. You know, If you want to join some online community, then do it. If you want to hire a health coach to help you day in, day out, one-on-one, then do it. If things haven't worked in the past, it doesn't mean it's not going to work now. Sometimes they say there's that statement, I know, which is completely off topic, but they say it takes seven times for an abused spouse to leave their abuser. They can't leave it the first time. They'll leave and come back, leave and come back. But eventually they leave. Not always. But it's kind of the same thing. You've had aborted attempts at weight loss and it didn't work for whatever reason. It doesn't mean it's not going to work again. What other option do you really have? If you really want to lose the weight, you got to give it a shot. And I, I talked about, I think it was in The Competitive Eater, yeah, 11, about fat shaming and fat glorifying. And this is this is one of the things that, that bothers me. I think Lena Dunham, the girl from, from Girls, she's been losing a lot of weight. Jonah Hill, the actor, they've been losing a lot of weight. And lots of times these actors, when they're, when they're bigger, they glorify it. They'll, they'll be like, oh, this is who I am. This is who I am. But then eventually they lose the weight. And so what, what are they really saying? I mean, are they speaking out of both sides of their mouth? Were they really happy with their obese self? If you were, then why are you losing the weight? Now, we shouldn't be fat shaming, of course. But I think, I think it's better to, and, and you know, celebrities are the worst example because they're like politicians. They, they have to maintain an image. They don't want to alienate their people because then the people won't go see their movies. But I think it'd be so refreshingly honest if we did have a plus size actress, or the, I can't remember the name of that plus size model now, where they were just honest and just say, I don't want to be overweight because I know my life expectancy is going to be shorter. 
I want to lose the weight, but I'm just not there. Because when they do lose the weight, and a lot of these celebrities can lose the weight because they can just hire trainers and work out for six hours a day and, and six hours a day and have blue aprons sent to them or, you know, super gourmet meals, and they can get it done. I wish they would just be honest instead of this fat glorifying, like, this is who I am. I love being big, da 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 da. And then they lose their weight. And then they go back and talk about, oh, I was in a dark place. I just, I, I would just love it to hear some refreshing honesty and just be like, I don't like being overweight and I want to lose the weight and hopefully I will lose it. And then when they lose the weight, then you can kind of see that full story. I just don't like the, I just think it's kind of disingenuous when, when you have fat glorifying because fat glorifying, honestly, you don't want to shame yourself and be like, oh, I'm horrible because I'm fat. But you have to be honest. Again, it's all about introspection. You have to be honest. If you are morbidly overweight, you do have a shorter life expectancy. And if, and if any other impetus to lose weight is, is, is maybe not the social stigma, the fact that you know, you're looked at differently. And, and I remember I was looked at differently. I mean, I distinctly remember that being you know, ridiculed. But people look at you differently. And all your, your, your societal kind of... Uh, pressures that are put on you. But if it's not the social stigma of, of being overweight or maybe not having a boyfriend or girlfriend, then it's got to be the fact that you have a shorter life expectancy. And, and I don't, it's like the whole idea of the, of the act of self-preservation. No one wants to put a knife into their chest. You know, we have this act to protect ourselves, self-preservation of our life. And it's kind of the same thing. If you're morbidly overweight, you're kind of going against that, that, that instinct of self-preservation. And so when we eat and eat and eat and we end up 600 pounds, it's really because we're emotionally eating. There's something that happened us horribly as a kid that threw off the thermostat. Either it's abuse, typically, it's all, commonly it's sexual abuse or physical abuse, or maybe somebody dumped you when you were in, t- in high school and so you wanted to to. to to use the, the food as some sort of medicine or you were sexually molested by somebody and so you want to eat a lot of food so you're never in that position to get molested again. But something happened because the, the instinct of self-preservation is so strong that it's, it's counterintuitive to keep gaining, 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 gaining weight. So that's one of the things. Go to counseling. You got, we got to go to counseling and figure out why are we emotionally eating? What is causing that? And that's one of the steps. Now, can you lose weight while you're still emotionally eating? Sure. Or you could, sure, absolutely you can. But I think in terms of like overall keeping your weight off, you need to talk about it because weight maintenance, one of the keys is being able to talk about it, either with a therapist or just have really good reflection and introspection as to why you were eating and why you continue to eat like garbage. But I, I don't want to come off like, oh, I've lost the weight. Now I'm judging over the, all the overweight people. No, it's not like that. I was there. I know what it's like, guys. I know what it's like. And again, I don't want to be all arrogant. I know what it's like. I don't, I'm not like that anymore. But fat glorifying is not constructive. It's not constructive. It really isn't. Because you want to live a long time. And if you stay overweight, you know, the old saying is that there's not a lot of you know, how many 90-year-old overweight people do you see? And you don't see any because by that point they've died. Or even 80-year-olds, you, you really don't see a lot of them. Because either the cancer, the heart disease, something's going to take them. So I, I don't want to go on a diatribe at the very end of this confession. Uh, but the, these are issues that I will address. And I promise, 
I promise I'm going to start interviewing people. And these are, these are the topics that I want to talk about with people is get really deep into it, talking about fat glorifying, fat shaming, talk about what, your view of God. How did your view of God change? I, I definitely want to talk about personal experiences that happened to you as an overweight child, but I also want to deal with a lot of the metaphysical things uh, that you deal with as well. But I just, I just want to talk about that, the fat glorifying, the fat shaming, because I think it, it, it's a fat line. I, I think we need to be very just honest assessment, stay right in the middle, not go, not swing on the pendulum either way. We're, we definitely shouldn't be fat shaming, but fat glorifying, I think it's counter, counter instructive too. So that's all I have to say for today. Uh, the next confession will be my college year. So we'll start talking about some of the, uh, my college dating. We'll, actually, we'll probably talk about my high school dating during my senior year and then some of the weird eating stuff that I did immediately after I lost my weight. My, I did lose 90 pounds, on, and I commemorated on May 4th of 91, but I did actually lose more weight. That's why when I say I, lose, I lost over 100 pounds, it's because I, in fact, lost even more weight because I was struggling at that point of uh, having major eating disorders in college. But that, that'll be the next podcast or the one after that. But thank you for listening. Please let friends know about it. Anyone you know that's overweight, currently overweight or was overweight as a child, please refer them to this podcast because I think it it would really help them. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com for additional confessions, wellness articles, recipes, and a whole lot more. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Naturopath Earth. See you next time.